This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, how's it going? Welcome to another live stream. We are live. Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Amazon Live. So, of course, at the bottom there, you can see all the different books of previous guests and also today's guest, Kirk Williams. He wrote the book. I have it here somewhere. There's only um, uh, 18 taps open. Ponderings of a PPC professional. And of course, uh, we are talking about PPC a little bit right now because I think it's really an important topic for us business storytellers. And of course, as I'm saying on tomorrow's podcast, six years ago, I said, I'm a content marketer. PPC? I don't do that. Are you kidding? That's not, I'm a content marketing guy. We're organic, blah, 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 blah. But today, things are changing. We have to go with the times. We have to be able to integrate all those different things into our strategy. So we'll get the guest on the show here in a second, Kirk Williams, um, PPC Kirk on Twitter. What an awesome name. But before we do that, really quickly, uh, we are live streaming with Restream um, to all these different channels. So uh, give that a try, restream.io forward slash join forward slash trap. That's my name. Um, So let's get Kirk. I know he's comfy in our wonderful green room here, but let's get him on the show to get going on the topic of PPC. And one of the things that really struck out to me in his book, he talks about crisis PPC. And of course, former journalist here, that always appeals to me. How do we, what's a crisis? How do we, how do we, uh, you know, address it? How do we move forward from it? And then we'll dive into other PPC topics that we want to talk about. So let's get him out here. I know he's comfy on the in the green room, but Kirk, how's it going today? It is great. Thank you for having me. You bet. It's always great to have um, thought leaders like you out there. Uh, and I think that's, again, how we connected, right? You said something smart on Twitter, and I thought, hey, this guy needs to come on the show. It's probably something like that. Yeah, it was one of the social channels. <laughs> what, who can keep track, right? I can't keep track for sure. So um, tell us about the book. And I really I like the book, um, especially, you know, you say this is not covering every single topic out there because, I mean, stuff changes all the time. And I know there is an overabundance of people who want answers to everything. And once they have the answers, they'll hold it against you. Um, when it changes, and uh, it will. Yeah, so that's that's a really good intro into it because I think in some ways if someone is looking for all of the answers, this will be a very frustrating book mm-hmm. um, because in some ways what this book is is not it's, – it's not purposing to get you the answers. It's, it's trying to help us think about this. How do we arrive at these answers? And so um, this is kind of more of a conversation in some ways – where the reader gets to look a little bit inside of my scary brain as I just kind of think through some of this stuff, especially uh, almost these random chapters of here's something interesting about attribution. Here's something that I'm thinking about with bidding rules and things like that. And here are the different aspects about them that we need to be aware of. Um, And so in that way, my objective really is to get the reader 
to just think about this stuff. That's what I'm trying to do, ponder it. And I want others to think about it as well. Um, so you might disagree with something that I come up with. That's that's totally fine because I might be wrong. So yeah, let's let's think about it together. And that and that's I think the purpose of this book. Well, well, but that's an interesting comment because I mean people always look for the answers. What's the answer right now? How do we uh, how do we do it? What's the the answer forever and ever? And of course, I mean everywhere, PPC, SEO, any anywhere, stuff changes. I mean Google is coming out. Uh, I guess they call it the December core update. Uh, remember the times when they used to have. Uh, creative names or at least more creative <laughs> than the, the month of the year um, for their updates, but it changes all the time. So that's, that's refreshing to hear. And how are people taking that? I mean, do people want to uh, start to think about it or are they just saying, oh my goodness, just give me the answers? Yeah, it'll be interesting. So far, the feedback I've received, which could just be biased, you know, people I don't know, wanting to encourage me, whatever. So far, the feedback I've been hearing is is pretty positive. Um, people kind of enjoying that take on things. Uh, you know, for instance, attribution, it might be, it's not like I'm going to say this is the perfect model of attribution. It's more that I'm going to walk through, here. here's how attribution works. And then here's some things that we need to consider in terms of some of the weaknesses of it and and how we should think about that. And so I think that at least from what I've been hearing so far, um, it seems that that people are kind of appreciating that side to it, just like sometimes it is nice. Sometimes it is nice to have the answers handed to you. I admit that. <laughs> it is, but it, it does change all the time. So um, interesting wording, of course, in the chapters as well. I mean, you talk about crisis PPC. Don't strangle the funnel. Let's circle back to that one. I mean, the, the whole thing about strangling the funnel. I mean, I, I know you, we have these crazy internal goals sometimes. How do we drive more leads? today how about right now right let's squeeze them uh and of course a squeeze can turn into a strangle in no time um but but what's crisis ppc how how does that fit in and, and how do you how do you do that do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com Yeah, I wrote that. Probably no surprise to anyone, specifically as we think through the year 2020, um, especially with the pandemic. But also, you know, businesses and marketing um, have had to deal with uh, crises that come up uh, ever since marketing began, right? And so some of that was just, again, in this this idea of, hey, let's think about this stuff, um, of me kind of challenging the reader I think that we should we should consider how we are communicating about a crisis when we're in the middle of it as we are presenting these products or services. You know, we're trying to advertise them. That's that's OK. Um, we should really think through uh, sticking to what the core of advertising really has always been around. What, what really sells something has always been advertising the benefits to a consumer. Um, so really helping Helping someone see, oh, hey, this is how maybe my life or my business, this is how I will be better when I, when I buy this product or service, right? Helping them see the benefit to what we provide, not simply maybe giving them facts, but especially in a crisis. I've seen towards the beginning of things, especially March and April, there just seemed to be almost this, uh, this focus on bringing the pandemic into the advertising and uh, and for me, there is th- that that was some attempt at noting, 
um, I think actually rather than bringing the pandemic in and almost like further discouraging people, let's stick to what we should be doing, which is bringing out the benefits because people are already in the context of the pandemic. They already know that life sucks, right? We don't have to continually tell them their life sucks. Let's, let's focus on the benefits. And in that way, we're actually better positively connecting with them and helping them get excited about it. So in PBC, we don't have, you know, a, we don't have a ton of characters in that. So you always have to figure out how you're going to, what you're going to stuff into this little ad and title and description as, anyways. Um, but really trying to, trying to stick to that rather than focus too much on the crisis. So that, that was kind of the point of that chapter. Well, um, that's a very, um, very diplomatic way of saying that the, uh, the, the, the character count on PPC, I, I think it's brutal. I mean, for real, like the 30, the 30 limit character. I mean, I just did a campaign not too long ago and somebody says, can we add this one little bitty word? I'm like, no, we're already, uh, we're out of, you know. So, so the next time you guys are complaining about having to fit something in a 280 character tweet, uh, go and try to write a headline for an ad and even the description, 90 characters. That's still not even the old, uh, the old Twitter length. So I call them brutal. Yeah, you definitely get creative at, you know, what you can work, you know, what you can work down, how you can use punctuation and, you know, fr ships free, if a product ships free, that's fewer characters than free shipping, right? So you learn, you learn things like that over time. Over time. Very interesting. So, um, of course, we did have an episode. Um, I don't remember when it was um, early on. I'll try to look it up here in a little bit um, while you're talking, but uh, with the... Uh, Chief Digital Marketing Officer at Banner Health. And of course, Banner is a big uh, healthcare system in, in the Phoenix area in Arizona. And they were trying to get information out about the coronavirus. And of course, as you might imagine, one way for them to do that is through ads, right? And then what happened is Google basically shut down all ads <laughs> that mentioned coronavirus for a little while. Um, so I think that's just a good example that, you know, I mentioned that earlier, oh, I'm a content marketer. And six years ago, content marketers would say, we don't do anything with paid advertising. But advertising, it's not going away, right? Anytime soon. Mm -hmm. What do you think of yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, you for sure. I think advertising is not going away anytime soon, right? Um, but, you know, to kind of specifically share an example of, of what that might look like, you know, I do think that you have to be true to your business. So in some ways you know, something like a, a health industry or that if, if you're selling, if you're selling face masks, although there are, as you said, there are lots of bans and things still on that right now with Google ads, but being, being true to your business and, and what that is for sure, you know, present that, present that accurately. And that I think in, in what I was referring to in that chapter had more to do with um, kind of completely unrelated things, hijacking, uh, a crisis, just almost take advantage of it in some ways. And, and that also doesn't always look good. So to specifically kind of communicate what I mean, you know, you might, one of our clients is Traeger Grills. So they sell smokers. I have one of them, believe it or not, I'm not making this up. I actually have a turkey on the smoker right now. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, you might, you might look at that as saying, Hey, we could, we could talk about, you know, coronavirus stuck at home, miserable, right? Buy a Traeger. Um, or, and this is kind of what I mean, again, 
we're, we're kind of going beyond that in terms of our thinking through psychology and how people are marketed to. Again, everyone knows they're stuck at home. Everyone knows they're kind of bummed out and, and frustrated right now. Uh, if we can kind of skip that negative stuff and really lean into the positives of here's what you can do with this smoker. Uh, here's how this amazing food and, and really lean into just how it's benefiting that consumer. You've not had to mention coronavirus at all. And they're, they're super excited and ready to buy that smoker because they're, they're ready for some good food stuck at home. Well, and not everything needs to be tied to anything happening anyways. I mean, as you said, we all know right. we're at home anyways. And I've, I mean, honestly, I've started to make the best out of it, right? I got a new couch down here. I got a new couch upstairs. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of getting a new TV, even though, you know, some of those debates internally here with the uh, all my bosses in this household, <laughs> um, they take some time. But absolutely. I mean, you don't have to say, are you stuck at home? Yes, we are all stuck <laughs> at home, except um, certain certain areas. Um, so when you talk about strangling the funnel, let's talk about that a little bit. And and how, you know, how can PPC help us to, to move things forward without being this overly aggressive, overly annoying um, marketing brand, so to speak? Sure. Yeah. So one of the chapters in my book is about the fact that I still think the marketing funnel exists and is there. And I do know that there are some who who think that because of digital um, you know, that there is so much user uh, interaction hopping around between the various po points of the funnel that there are those funnel haters out there, if you will. Uh, I still think it's strong and true and uh, defend my view in my book. And then I note this article, this chapter that you referred to about strangling the funnel. And so what happens in PPC is that um, very often, and, and by PPC, I should note, I I'm referring specifically to paid search in this regard and in this context. So I'll throw that addendum out. There's actually an interesting debate going on Twitter right now about PPC and SEM and, and all that stuff. But for paid search, you know, paid search for the most part is is going to tend to lean more mid-bottom funnel as it is because you already, already really have people who are aware um, because they have to be aware of, of it enough really to to ask a query. On, on which is Google, which is search, right? And so in, in that sense, in some ways, uh, paid search already leans a little bit more towards that mid to bottom funnel. But what happens is once you start working in this idea of, of attributing value of attribution, that tends to, tends to, uh, this is changing, but tends to overall give more credit to those visits who are, who are lower on the funnel, so more bottom funnel. It can be really tempting for paid search marketers to lean heavily into bottom funnel searches, remarketing, brand, you know, things like that. Um, and the problem with that is when you become obsessed with this tracked ROAS that's tied more to bottom of funnel success, then you're not really giving an opportunity for growing the, the top of the funnel, which is more of that important awareness, um, awareness, interests, right? And, and so my chapter there is just kind of trying to, trying to think through that reason with that a little bit of making sure that we're not so obsessed with last, uh, with, with the bottom touches and investing money more into the bottom of your funnel that you neglect a very, very important and healthy funnel growth that needs to happen as well on the awareness side. And of course, if you build the if you if you have some success 
uh, widening the bottom of the funnel without widening the top, so to speak, I mean, that can get you some early, some quick success, but it's not, not going to be long term, right? I mean, to oversimplify things here a little bit. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road, and if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctraff at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. When we first take over a campaign, there's usually some some quick wins we can get, you know, mm -hmm. more bottom funnel, which is great. Build some ROAS, build some trust with that client. But at some point, if you want, if you want to build a brand, if you want your company to last right for years, you, mm -hmm. you've got to have that awareness thing going on. You've got to figure out the top of funnel marketing. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's easy to forget because we want results right now, 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 now. Now, for some of us that are not the experts like you, uh, you mentioned a debate on on Twitter, PPC and SEM, uh, maybe if can you talk about that in a second? What's the difference? What are people talking about? And before you do that, really quickly, I want to mention if you love these graphics that are up on the screen, we do that with switcherstudio.com. It's directly on my iPad. So I'm looking at you right here, my friends. That's my iPad. And then every once in a while, if you see my hand over here, I'm going too far pushing a button. So um, I know how to do that, but I don't know. I can't tell you if I know the difference between. SEM and PPC, uh, please tell us what the debate is out there in Twitter land. Sure. Yeah, it is. It is a it is a debate and it's something that has adapted to changed over the years um, because in some ways what digital marketing is comprised of has changed and, and developed as well. So basically PPC is pay-per-click marketing, right? So you you are willing to bid a certain amount and pay for when someone clicks on your ad and makes it through to your website, which is in some ways, as an aside, a really cool form of marketing, right? Because you're not, you're actually paying for user action. They've responded to your ad. There seems to be somewhat of an interest there. It's not just how many people are driving past your billboard and did they happen to see it or not. So, th so there's, there's enough user interest there where there's value there. So that's PPC. Um, historically, that has been tied to paid search marketing as well, which is marketing Google, uh, Bing, uh, and, and, and other search engines. And that's because if someone searches and then they see your ad and they click PPC, uh, paid search marketing. Search engine marketing, and this is where maybe it starts to get a little bit convoluted, search engine marketing what I what I think, right? So search engine marketing to me is a broader category of all marketing that has to do with, with a search engine. And so, for instance, I would tend to include paid search marketing with, um, with SEO under an umbrella of search engine marketing. Because I, I do think the SEO is a form of marketing as well, although it's not based on paid advertising per se. So that's, that's somewhat of the, of the difference. And, and the, de the debate tends to reside around us disagreeing of what specific elements are included in those acronyms. But for the most part, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I love that. I, I love confident people on the show. I, I mean, this reminded me, actually, I was at social media 
camp in uh, Victoria, uh, Canada, or British Columbia, I'm told. Uh, that's how you say that, Victoria, British Columbia. And um, I was doing a round table before the keynote. And so uh, one lady at some point, I think it was a lady, um, I actually don't remember who it was. But anyway, they, they said, I came here to talk about content marketing, and we're talking about SEO. And, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, we can like now debate whether content marketing is SEO or SEO is content marketing or how they fit together. But to me, it's there. It's all so interlinked anyways. Right. I mean, and then some people use different terminology for different things. It's uh, we need like a dictionary, quite frankly, that then um, you and I can uh, we can we can be the approvers for what goes in there. Except, yeah, we're, we're the <laughs> editors. We get the we get the big print, our, our names, you know, on the title. That's right. The the a new word made it into the the um, digital marketing dictionary. Um, so, what else is currently top of mind when it comes to PPC? What do people need to think about? I mean, when I'm thinking about uh, content marketing, especially, you know, it's it's relatively it's it's a little bit of a marathon, and I guess um, PPC is too. And tomorrow, guys, uh, if you're watching on the live stream, we do have. Um, Nava Hopkins, she's the director of paid media at Hennessy Digital. She is on our uh, podcast version. So if you want to check that out, the link is at the bottom there. Uh, how to integrate PPC into your strategy and how much that will cost you. And she talked about you got to it's it's a little bit more long term as well when you run a campaign. Um, so it's not like, you know, the, the picture I think people have in their minds a lot of time is, oh, you know, throw some dollars at it and we're done, right? It's going to work. But what's your theory on that? Yeah, I mean, I've heard the same thing. You know, SEO is long-term, PPC is short-term to, to get the initial visits and traffic in the beginning. And my thought is, hey, can we do both, right? Can we can we begin investing in SEO right away as we are using maybe PPC in a new business to to build up that brand and to and to build traffic in that? Um, but then you definitely have some of the, the difficult uh, aspects of search engine marketing, including both of those, which is for, for better or for worse, whether we all like it or hate it, Google does continually love to shove paid ads everywhere and in, in everyone's faces on, on SERPs, uh, search engine result pages. And so in that regard, I, I don't think, you know, e even long term, I just I think probably having a good strategy both of SEO and PPC is, is really important. Um, you know, in terms of what is, what should we be aware of that's happening in the PPC world? I, I definitely am keeping a very close eye on, on a couple of things and they're somewhat related. And that would be the role of automation in PPC. And then also just this idea, idea of data privacy. And those are somewhat related, obviously, because automation relies heavily on accurate data. Um, but then data privacy as well. I mean, you have a, a lot of things to consider, especially with various either lawsuits against Google um, in the EU and, and that, or just people being more and more concerned about what's happening, GDPR, CCPA in California, what's happening with my data uh, that Google and these other companies have, and, and what can I do with that? That works specifically into advertising, because a lot of advertising is based around things like tracking them with cookies and things like that. And so you see browsers already starting to make changes and, and even tracking people is starting to shift from cookies to other things and, and that. So I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on, um, on that. You know, what, what do we as, 
as PPCers need to be aware of with data privacy laws and, and things like that? And how will we continue to market and identify audiences? Um, and then automation is such a big one because you definitely see all of the platforms and even beyond paid search that I specifically manage like Google and Microsoft ads, even into things like Facebook and, and, and the social channels. Automation in terms of automated bidding on these terms, um, uh, automated ad placement, automated ad creative itself, uh, uh, machine learning is really, really growing. And it's not just being pushed by the engines anymore like it used to be. It's actually working better. We're seeing automated bidding, for instance, work much better than it ever has in the past. So we're, we're more and more willing to utilize that of letting Google and all of its signals do better at bidding for this specific search term than, than me setting a bid. Um, so I think those two things for sure are more and more what we're in the PBC community talking about and keeping our, our eyes on that are, is pretty important. Of course, when it comes to automation, I mean, you do, I guess you turn over a little bit of trust, right? I mean, it's, if I go in there and I mean, I, I, I know SEM, I guess they would call themselves SEM strategists. And they say, you know, we fiddle with the keywords all the time, which reminds me of my favorite joke. Um, you know, I don't like, uh, I really don't like these negative keywords. Get them out of here. Ha 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 ha. Look, good one, right? No? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just thought of that. Um, but, you know, I mean, they said they fiddle with things and they, they adjust uh, bidding and whatever. I don't know all the stuff they do. But, um, I mean, the more you automate it, especially now when there is actual hard dollars involved. And I, I want to remind people, even though content marketing doesn't necessarily have hard dollars attached to some of the things, but it does because somebody still has to do the work and you're paying them, right? So it's not like, uh, you know, $10,000 PPC campaign, uh, you know, I mean, if you run a content marketing campaign on, on the side of that, um, you probably spend the same amount of money, for example, just something to keep in mind. Um, but uh, how, how do you think automation will evolve? And especially how will people get around the whole... Um, uh, trust factor, I guess. That is a great question. I think we are all in the middle of figuring that out. Um, so I, I tend to fall into, let's say there are three camps in PPCers. Let's say there is there are the people who just who just distrust Google and every single thing they do really against automation because of that distrust and all that stuff. And then there's maybe on the other side, on the far other side, those who just kind of embrace every everything that happens in Google, they're just, they're on board. They're ready to roll. It's Google's thing. Google can do whatever they want. Um, we're just, you know, we're just utilizing the platform. I probably fall in the middle more, which is um, I try to have, uh, I try to have a healthy respect, which can be distrust um, in terms of, you know, Google is a business. And that means that ultimately, as much as I would like to think otherwise. Ultimately, Google does not answer to me spending money. Um, they ultimately probably answer to their their shareholders in that, right? And so in some ways, I think we would be foolish not to be aware of that as always part of the decision-making process that they make. Hey, I, I mean, there's even a part of me that doesn't fault that. I own a business. I'm trying to make decisions that also helps us be more profitable and, and revenue and, and grow in revenue and all that. Um, obviously, in, in every way for all of them, Google and us, that should be done above board morally and all that stuff ethically. 
Um, the problem with automation that, that you alluded to is that you begin to have more of these closed loop systems, these proprietary, uh, completely walled off to the outside world to really see what's going on in there. So it's a very specific example of this. And, and that is especially what causes, I think, legitimate concern in PPCers and others. Um, one example, and this actually ties into content marketing a little bit. One example would be very recently, Google removed um, access to a bunch of their, their search terms data. So when someone searches on Google, uh, then and our and our ads are eligible to show for them. That fires a search term that fires in the search terms report, and we can go in to, in Google Ads and see, hey, this is the search term that someone searched for. One of the reasons why we PPCers like that is because we can identify, hey, this search term was was really really poor, and exclude that with your negative keywords, um, or we can even target them if they're really good. So it's just it's just more data. But one of the things that those search terms do for us is they give us insight into the quality of the traffic that Google is sending. Um, the way that, by the way, that fits into content is in the past, I, I like using that to help me build out content or we either with teams or even for my own agency, because we can go in to our search terms report and see what terms people are searching for that actually really convert well. And then you can take that and use that in, in building out different blog posts around it, videos, building out content, right? Um, one of the things that Google has done recently is they've removed uh, a chunk of those search terms from being shown in the reports. So that means now when we bid on a keyword, we don't see as much data of what our keywords are actually mapping to of actual search terms as we used to see. Now, when you have an automated system where Google more and more controls the serving of that stuff, that starts to be where it can be concerning because um, now, when Google is controlling all that, we, we can no longer kind of third party, I guess, verify that, yes, we are actually happy with these, these different results and don't have the ability as, as much as we used to of making suggestions for excluding and, and things like that. So while that itself may or may not be that uh, alarming of a single instance, again, I, I do think that it is in its own way a little bit of an insight into uh, a potential problem with a totally closed loop system. Cause at some point third parties do need to verify that Google's playing above boards with everything that it's doing when it's controlling our money, controlling the money of our competitors, controlling the bid that we both want to assign to that controlling the term, controlling all that stuff. And none of us know what's going on. That there's the possibility that that could eventually end up in some sort of fraud and we should avoid that. Absolutely. Somebody needs to oversee it, and especially if we can do it. But but certainly, I mean, I'd like the transparency um, and, you know, a, a big fan of the more transparency, the better, quite frankly. Um, guys, you can check out Kirk's book. We have a link to that in the show notes. Um, if you are watching on Amazon Life, it is at the bottom there. Um, I, any other? Oh, why did you write the book? What was the um, deciding factor to, to push it out the door? I, I think it was almost more of a personal, I've always wanted to write a book thing. And uh, I've had a lot of these were, these chapters have been essays that I've worked on over the time. So in some ways, this was a book years in the, in the making um, and just wanted to kind of compile that and, and get that out and get some of these thoughts out. 
and certainly it's easier than ever to produce a book. I mean, my last one, guys, I actually, if you're listening on the live stream, it's still available for 99 cents in the U.S., 99 pennies in the U.K. for another day or two here, uh, Cyber Monday week, if you want to call it that. Uh, and you can actually go to Authentic Storytelling and head on over to Amazon. Um, but anyway, I wrote that whole book, Kirk, in Google Drive on my iPad. And I created, cool. right, and I created the cover uh, in Adobe Spark um, and on my iPad. So the whole thing was done on my iPad. There's some things uh, they're not as easy to do on an iPad, like the page numbering and the table of contents. And uh, there's at least one review, uh, one of the sites uh, where they point that out, that they didn't like that, the, the, the content. But that's how I wrote it. And it's easier than ever to do it. So glad to see uh, that you you reached that goal. Thanks for joining us today, sharing your insights. Uh, really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next time.